Welcome to the Oxfordshire Teacher Training Podcast. Um, I'm sitting in Mansfield College, Oxford, uh, with David Gumbel, and we're getting ready for uh, part of our Super Thursday today, all about well-being. And David has come to spend some time with our associate teachers, and um, I'd like to welcome you very much to. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. And. Um, so I, th- I think what might be interesting for us to, to think about to start with is, is sure. firstly, why why do you think you've been asked to come and, and uh, join us for today? Um, and then maybe that will lead into a few of uh, the, the projects that you're involved in. Well, I, I'm, I'm here today because I care hugely about early career teachers. And actually, I think the direction of travel is one that I don't really want to be travelling in. And actually, I think we need to be rethinking about the person who becomes a teacher rather than just processing a teacher. And if we can manage that person, I think we're going to be in a better place if we do. So for me, it's very much about starting the conversation about resilience with as many people as possible. And so have an audience today of 100 people, potentially in the classroom, is a hugely influential position to be in. And what I'm going to be talking about today is manage yourself in order to be the best teacher that you can be. And if we do that, and if we can put ourselves first, however uncomfortable that might be, that actually that will make us better teachers. That will make children enjoy the learning more. If the children enjoy the learning more, the data will come. So there's another way of doing the same thing. We can get good learning from managing ourselves, and that's why I'm here. Right, fantastic. Now, I know that very recently you've, uh, you've published a book called Lift, going up if teaching gets you down and I know that that's uh, something that may well be um, part, part of the theme of, of what you're going to be talking about uh, later, later yeah. today um, and, um, and also you're, you're very much involved in the Resilience Project I wonder if you could tell us just a little bit perhaps about the Resilience Project first sure. and then we'll, we'll um, dive into a little bit of lift Well the Resilience Project was really a, a, a manifested itself from when I was ahead so I was ahead for seven years and I was looking out at the landscape and thinking there's something else for me out there what's going on and too many of your early career teachers are leaving the profession so I wanted to do something about it so I approached my local teacher training provider and said let's do something about it and created some materials that we called the resilience project which was essentially four hours of training that we could go into schools and manage the well-being and resilience of those NQTs in their first year extra to and supplementary of anything that was already going on in that school and there was some good work going on in that school but what we realised was that there was something extra that was needed. So the Resilience Project was created to, to plug a gap I guess, to, to uh, go into schools once every half term and just be that raspberry ripple running through the course of that year and just saying I'm here, it's okay. It is normal to feel a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit lack of confidence. That's fine. You'll be okay. Reassure them, package them up in the positive and say, keep going. And that worked incredibly effectively. Great. And that's where the Resilience Project became something much bigger and made me realise that headship, after headship, the Resilience Project and looking after early career teachers was the direction of travel I wanted to go in. Brilliant, brilliant. And so from that, um, that did that lead into, into Lyft? Um, it, d- it directly yeah. led, led into Lyft. So the idea for Lyft was very much around how can we get this conversation started in as many schools as possible. So Lyft is 39 very, very short chapters of ideas that can start a staff meeting or in a break time 
or in a lunchtime, pick up and go, have a little read, and it will give you that little lift, hence the title. And if actually, if we did that, little, of, little and often can build up to quite a lot. So if we think of crowdfunding, a little bit from a lot of people is quite a lot. And similarly to this, if we can read a little chapter every now and again, that will build up to a significant amount of material that can help and support us. And Lyft is full of anecdotes and quirky little stories and ideas that people are going, oh, didn't know that. And then it twists into something about mental health and resilience and then it connects those two things. And it makes resilience and well-being everybody every day. Not someone else. It doesn't happen to me. Mm. It happens to all of us and we've all got to manage it. I completely agree with you there. Um, so, uh, David, you may, you may well know that part of the, the focus for our podcast is, is thinking about the role that the mentors um, who work with us, um, with our associate teachers um, in placement schools, and obviously this this is this is not just for mentors to be imparting to uh, our associate teachers for themselves as as well. Yeah. Now, we've, we've, we've mentioned the word resilience a couple of times now. Yeah. It'd be interesting to know from you what how would, if someone said to you, how would you define resilience? What do you, what do you mean by resilience? And I'm interested to know what you would you would say for this. Well, I think the common part is bounce back ability, isn't yeah. it? And that's a word that I don't like um, and fight against, really, because I think that bounce back ability is almost reactionary, mm. or we're waiting for it to happen and then we'll deal with it. But for me, resilience is about being proactive, proactively manage our mental health so that when we do need to bounce back, we don't need to bounce back from as far. And that actually, if we manage our sleep and we manage how we eat and we manage our time and we manage ourselves, then when we do need to bounce back, we're there. We can get back quite quickly. But resilience doesn't have a definition for me because if resilience has a definition, it sits on a shelf and does nothing. Mm. What resilience is, is starting a conversation and having a conversation about how we're feeling, not at a superficial level, but at a much deeper level, an honest level. Of, this is how I am feeling and this is that, that, that's okay. Mm. And you're feeling like that and that's okay and that maybe we could support each other to push ourselves forward. But this book is not about just the teacher, it is about the mentor, because the mentor has their own mental health and resilience to manage, and giving time up to a student teacher or an early career teacher is very difficult to find within the day. So I can understand the pressures on a mentor to not want to do the meeting, or there's other things that I've got pressurised, or asking, do we actually need this meeting? But actually, that time is time well spent. Mm. And that if it's done well, and those two human beings connect at that point in that time in that place, that it can be cathartic for the mental health of both. Absolutely, parties. yes. And of course, one of the big challenges, I suppose, for, for any, any mentor is, is that sense of um, it's okay to open up to somebody about you know, that this is a challenging role for, for them as, as well. You, you don't necessarily have to be this, this perfect thing. Um, you know that that honesty of about your your own role working with with associate teachers. I think it's really key. important for yeah. the mentor to have a sense of vulnerability yeah. and to be strong enough and courageous enough to show that vulnerability. And I think that inadvertently the mentor has a lot of power, and accidentally they can wield that power over that NQT, that early career teacher. But actually, that puts the NQT in a very delimiting place. And may not want to open up. So actually, the mentor has to dilute down 
the power that they have as much as they can and connect with that individual at that time in that space and then to make any corrections that they yeah. want to make. So my mantra for mentors would be connect before you correct. Connect with the human being yeah. first yeah. and then when you feel comfortable with that human being in that space, in that time, then say these are the things that I think you need to be doing next. Yes. And having a very limited number of those things having a good discussion about those things yeah. but clarity over those target areas will save them time will save you time and therefore those meetings are time well spent fantastic fantastic now for those of you who've uh, not yet seen david's book um, it starts off and with, with a, a very useful little section of, um, of an index that's, uh, that's slightly different from most books index and this is thematic and um so we've come up with a, a series of are you feeling that you have lost your way or need to pause or stop or have lost perspective, etc., etc. working your way through. And then you've actually you've given some suggestions about um, how you can get a lift by looking at um, various chapters as you work your way through. Um, because what's particularly interesting about this is that um, what, you've, what you've managed to do here straight away is that, that idea that this is not a book that you necessarily start at the beginning and just work your way through. This is... This, this to me is a, a, a book where um, you are dipping in and out. Mm -hmm. you, you, are, you are pulling, pulling things here. So in the spirit of that, um, what we'll do is we'll, we'll, we'll perhaps dip in and, and look at some, some key themes that, uh, that maybe Let's would be it. useful ones here. That sounds so fantastic. I'm, I'm very deliberately not going to start with sleep, which starts in chapter one. No, um, no, let's I'm, go for a different chapter I'm, then. I'm going to be thinking about um, <laughs> perhaps one, one that I know that mentors um, will we'll often talk to us about, about which is um, how do you approach a problem and, and so on and so forth. So I know that um, chapters, <coughs> for those of you who've got your book here, you can, you can follow along with chapters 13 and 22. Um, so in particular, we're thinking, let's say particularly, um, we're thinking about something as being, a, a, so 22 is all described as binary barcodes, the idea of things either being uh, a one or a zero and um, considering considering things in, in that kind of way. So maybe we'll just have a little explore of, about that particular one. Absolutely. I think when you're trying to fix a problem, it's yeah. very easy to get yes or no, or uh, yes. black or white, yeah. or one or zero if you're thinking yeah. about the barcodes. But actually, um, when a, me a mentor is asking that question, the NQT could also say, or the early career teacher can also say, it's one extreme or the other. But actually there's a lot of shade within those two yeah. positions. And actually what we want to be doing is offering teachers and early career teachers a wider range of options rather than either or to allow them to see that there are shades within it and that's okay. Mm -hmm. So I like the idea of one more. So wherever you are, how can you be one more than wherever you are yes. on that scale of one to ten? Yes. And that can be quite useful for uh, teachers to think, okay, well I don't need to be ten. There's no expectation of being being ten, but if I'm a seven, how can I be an eight? Yeah. If I'm a four, how can I be a five? And so when uh, mentors are approaching the teacher, rather than giving it a label of outstanding, where is it? Also importantly, where is the next step for that individual? Yeah. And that goes back to clear, sharp targets that are manageable for that individual at that time. At that time, and I think and that's that, that such journey key. will get to the same point. Yes. So my my advice for mentors yes. is try to find the middle ground rather yeah. than the two extremes. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, now, 
Um, one, one of the things that I know um, is, is, a, is a really key part of, of the kind of kind of work that you, you've been doing. I know we were talking beforehand about um, you've been involved working with the Department of Education and some of the work to, um, to do with uh, the next stages in terms of uh, uh, frameworks and things for initial teacher training. Um, this idea that sometimes um, when you're when you're approaching problems, sometimes it's you do have to say that's enough in a way, and and thinking about you know when when is it acceptable to stop and just take a take take a pause and look at something there. Um, so for example, this this comes up in chapter twenty nine, um, which describes set top teaching, pressing pause to allow yourself a mental break. Um, this idea of taking taking a pause um, as a mentor. You've got even less time to take a pause in a way than, than than you might do if you weren't being a mentor in a particular year in a school because you're spending some of that that I call it spare time. It's not spare time, but we know what we're talking about. That some of that time can be spent working with your associate teacher, helping them, supporting them, challenging them, um, working with them, listening, pausing with them, these kind of Absolutely. things. So the interesting, perhaps for us, just to have a little think about that 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 one as well. Yeah, but I think that um, time is precious. Yeah, and. Therefore, to give someone some time is a very precious gift to give. But also, what I'm going to be talking about this afternoon, really, is this idea that um, if you're in that space and you're genuinely connected, it can be cathartic for both. Mm. And that everything you do, try to maximise the use of that time. And I think we do a lot in schools that doesn't need to be done. And we spend a lot of time in schools where our productivity is low, but yeah. we're just going to keep going. And I use the idea that a Formula One car, um, has all, all Formula One cars stop to go faster. They have a pit stop yeah. to go faster. And that actually everybody knows themselves well. And that actually they know that they're better after a break yeah. when they've actually had a break. And it's not clever to just keep going. And there's this kind of war spirit ethic of just keep going or no one gets a break or uh, you know I can't have time I've got time for that I've got marking this marking that we need to change that culture yeah and so that the staff room is a place of pause and time to relax and time to recharge so that we're ready for the afternoon session and therefore I think set top teaching is this idea that you have to pause in order to be the best mm. teacher you can be yeah. rather than I feel very guilty that I'm doing this Therefore, I'm not yes. enjoying it. Therefore, it has no resonance. It's not working. It takes longer. So, allow yourself though that time in order to be the best teacher you can be. Which goes back to the common phrase that yeah. I keep coming back to: yeah. self-compassion is important. Yes. And as a compassionate profession, we are compassionate to everybody other than ourselves. Aren't we just mentors, <laughs> Aren't we just teachers, yes. teacher trainers? Yes. We're compassionate to everyone other than ourselves. And set-top teaching is about recognising that you need to be compassionate to you yes, too. Yes, yes. Now, if if um if you were just to choose perhaps one one of the chapters in Lift that you think mentors should should pick up and think about, um, perhaps more than any other, um, would there be one that would, would jump out at you? I mean, obviously. I mean, well, I'd like to think, um, and, and there's lots of little ideas in, yeah. in, in that book. Yes. I think resilience for me is about managing yourself yeah. first. And that um, we all need to do that. 
and the best way that we can do that is get the restorative sleep that we need yeah. and actually we don't and modern life does everything in its power to mitigate our chances of getting what we need and we still think we've got an on off switch which we haven't got and we still think that shining the bright light in our eyes with our phones and our iPads and our TVs yes. and then expecting our brain to just switch off afterwards is workable. Mm. It isn't. Um, and I, I like the chapter about the closing plant and the opening plant and this idea that in nature, and we can learn a lot from nature, yes. um, it doesn't happen immediately open and closed. No. Over the course of an hour. Yes. does it close and does it open yes. and that maybe we could learn from that that we need to book an hour where we're consciously yes. transitioning between being awake and Absolutely. getting to sleep and that, that whole idea of, of it taking time I'm, I'm thinking of all those TV documentaries which show everything sped up so that you've, you're seeing everything happening and um, I'm also thinking that probably the vast majority of, of mentors, associate teachers anyone who's listening to this um, is going to have heard countless times already that we need a certain number of hours of sleep and we, we, we should be you know, not, not drinking coffee after a certain time or we should be thinking about uh, what, what time we turn off all the electronic devices mm. and all, the, all those kind of things yet we don't do it yes. um, and it's, it's in a way one of the things that I find is a, a, a real beauty of, of Lyft is the idea that there, there will be many things in Lyft that you, you will look at and think yes I think I do know that but it's that ah, but I miss being reminded that one more time that I need to do something Absolutely. about that. Yeah. In many ways, it's common sense articulated yes. well. Yes. And actually, a lot of the things we know, but what this book is trying to achieve is promoting it, highlighting it, yes. and saying that if you want to improve yourself as a teacher, if you want to be the teacher that you want to be, if you want to be the teacher that children deserve, yes. which is the, the, the teacher with energy and enthusiasm yes. and engagement, then you have to deal with your own mental health and your own resilience and if we want to be the role model for children and there's a lot said in the press about children's mental health I agree that Mm. that the children's mental health will be reflective of the adults mental health that they see around them and we do have a responsibility as teachers to demonstrate and show Mm. positive energy and positive mental health which means we've got to manage our sleep and not just read about it but do it yeah. and try it you might like it yeah. as in I'm doing all of these things if I had mm. a t-shirt it would say I've yes. done all of these things yeah, yeah, because yeah. I want to be authentic in the way that I present to people and I'm completely different to who I am yes. six, five, five years yes. ago because of learning that being self-compassionate matters Fantastic. and that you're a better person as a result of that yes. that connects with people yeah more resonantly yeah. and therefore you don't waste time making misconnections and trying to get them back together mm-hmm. again you read situations well so you don't spend too much time going in the wrong direction and have to come back to the junction because you've run off in the wrong direction Brilliant. and that mentors can save the time that they invest by connecting genuinely to their protege yes and having yes. a clarity around what do we need to do next yeah that we don't have the emotional baggage that can potentially come which could take a lot longer yeah. than dealing with it yeah. proactively yeah. rather than reactively but we have to invest into that yeah. we have to invest in the idea of the principles of lift yeah fantastic fantastic so um so lift um 
by David Gumbrell is published by Critical Publishing. We'll leave the details on the show notes of um, how you can uh, get a copy of that. Um, it's not the only book. I know there's another book in the pipeline, isn't there? So there it um, is. Um, very briefly, a little, a little bit of a, a nugget for us. Well, I think um, I believe that if you're feeling resilient, then you make better decisions. Mm. And I kind of alluded to that along yeah. the way. Um, and therefore, the second book is called Risk, um, because I think that we make risky decisions or we make decisions that we think are risky but actually the risk involved many times is because we're not feeling resilient we're feeling vulnerable yeah and therefore the decision that we make we feel that it's risky but many times it's not and that if we manage our resilience then we can take better decisions and they will be less likely to be called risky by you but others might call them risky so it's the idea of signposting better decision making and you can do that by managing your resilience so the decisions you make are rational, yeah. considered, thought through, and therefore they are going to work. And actually committing to a direction of travel may feel risky to other people, but to you it's very controlled. Mm. So that's where I'm pushing it on, and, I, yeah. and it's an evolution of resilience. Everyone's talking about resilience, but I'm yes. trying to push it on further and say, yeah. let's push back against the system where we've been very compliant and let's make some conscious decisions about what's best for the children in our classroom. Absolutely. How can we make the learning engaging rather than mundane? How do we do the right thing mm. rather than doing the right thing for us as people? And that actually that can reflect back into we'll be happier teachers if we teach in the way that we know children learn mm. rather than doing this pretend pseudo-teaching that doesn't resonate with us and therefore our resilience drops because we're not doing it our way. Yes which we yes. know is the right way. Yes, brilliant. Thank you so much. Um, so I'll, I'll leave all the show notes on for how to get hold of Lyft. Um, really Thank looking you. forward to this afternoon's so um, session with all our, our yeah. associate teachers here um, at Mansfield College. We're um, uh, normally based up at, up, up at Charles School in North Oxford and um, this is this is very di very different for us us to be here. Wonder wonderful experience. Um, you may well have heard uh, lunch being prepared in the background whilst we were talking today. Um, so we look forward to this being there, and uh, look forward to hearing more about risk uh, in the in the near future. But thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to have a conversation with you, right. and I hope it resonates with some folk I'm out there. Sure, it will. Thank you. Thank so you much. very much. Great.